Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. New York Mets have acted like the first base draw was Peter Alonzo's to lose. General Manager Brody Van Wagenen has sung Alonzo's praises all winter, indicating how he will head north with the team if he is the best option the Mets have. Entries to Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry seem to have boosted Alonso's odds, but he is still in a dogfight for his job with the guy who used to be the Mets' future at first, Dominic Smith. Hey, welcome into Amazing Mets. My name is Benson Fector, uh, usually the producer here on this show, but I'm coming out from behind the scenes to host this show with our uh, buddy Tim, who was on the show last week. So no Jake, no John. Uh, Tim, how you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're doing great. And, you know, we don't have Jake, we don't have John, but the show must go on. And we're going to be talking about Mets baseball. So I first want to jump into a move that was made a little bit earlier uh, in this past week, so closer to last episode, the Carlos Gomez minor league deal. And, Tim, I just want to get your initial reactions. And it's a minor league deal. But what are your initial reactions to Carlos Gomez coming to New York? Um, I love the move. Brody was his more depth moves. Um, you can't have too much depth. Um, if we get the injuries that we usually had the last few years, I think we could put Carlos Gomez up without worrying about losing too many games. And he's not a bad player. He's pretty good in the outfield, and he can hit the ball pretty well. Yeah, and if you remember, like, just over three and a half years after failing to trade for him uh, in that crazy Mm -hmm. uh, debacle that that was, I mean, they're finally – they had the chance to bring him back, and they didn't fail to do so. He signed – a uh, minor league deal with the team. Uh, just to give some numbers from last season. He spent 2018 with the Tampa Bay Rays, batting just 208 with nine home runs and 32 RBIs in 360 at bats. So clearly, he isn't the player that he was uh, three and a half years ago when they attempted to uh, trade for him, and that fell through. But, I mean, technically, it is a bit of a homecoming for Carlos Gomez because he was originally signed by the Mets as an amateur free agent. And he made his big league debut with the team before being traded to the Minnesota Twins in 2008 as a part of that Johan Santana trade. So my question to you, Tim, is do you believe that uh, Carlos Gomez will see any time in City Field this year, or will he be a minor league player? Um, I think it all um, depends on how everything goes. Um, I think if Nimmo, Conforto, Lagares, and Broxton stay healthy, I doubt that we'll see uh, Carlos Gomez in City this year. But um, yeah, unless if injuries happen, unfortunately, that's the only way I could see him playing. Mm-hmm. And just for a thought experiment here, because we all remember, I mean, if you're a diehard Mets fan, you would remember the whole Carlos Gomez was supposed to be going to the Mets. Wilmer Flores was crying on the field when he thought he was about to <laughs> leave. Uh, and Zach Wheeler was going to be going to the Brewers. So, Tim, if this trade would have went through, Flores and Wheeler – uh, to the Brewers for Carlos Gomez, uh, how, how drastic of a difference would the Mets be in right now losing Zach Wheeler compared to where they're standing with him? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think Zach Wheeler has obviously had a breakout season in the second half, putting up, uh, I think, somewhere in the one year array in the second half, best second half pitcher in my opinion. But, um, yeah, we'd definitely be in a little bit of a hole that we would need to fill in because um, then we would only have Syndergaard and DeGrom in the rotation. And Mass is a big question mark. So, yeah, that would definitely put us in a situation where we, where we would have to go after a big name like Dallas Keuchel this offseason or Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, it, just such a crazy moment with Wilmer Flores crying on the field, the medicals failing. And, I mean, now Wheeler and Gomez are 
teammates in the Mets. Obviously, they ended up pivoting from uh, Gomez to Yohan Cespedes that week, uh, which paid off uh, incredibly as Cespedes carried the Mets to a division title. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm just going to go on a limb and say you'd prefer Cespedes over uh, Gomez, Tim? Yes, definitely. Yeah, so uh, even though, you know, the the trade failed, ultimately ended up working out for the Mets as they did not have to give up Zach Wheeler uh, and the few years of Wilmer Flores uh, between that time and 2018. And really, this move, it's nice to, you know, the stories with the Gomez trade and all that, but it really, it gives the Mets another option for the outfield in the event that Jeff McNeil was needed at third base to start the season. Uh, so McNeil, obviously, he's supposed to start left. Uh, but if Jed Lowry or Todd Frazier aren't ready to go on opening day, the Mets could shift McNeil back to the infield. If, Tim, if McNeil has to go back to the infield because of a Lowry-Frazier injury situation, could you see Carlos Gomez being the opening day left fielder? Um, I can't see. I think uh, we have too much depth. Um, I think uh, uh, we would put um, Nimmo in a left no, Nim or Conforto in left and uh, Lagarde in center or Broxton, and then put Nimmo in right field. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I that, I that's sort of what I was thinking. The I feel like the only situation where he could make the opening day roster is if, obviously, McNeil has to go to third because of Lowry Frazier injuries, uh, leaving the left field spot, and then I believe it would be down to Juan Lagares and Keon Broxton. For the center field mm-hmm. spot, then you can have Conforto and Nemo, whichever uh, corner there. So, in a situation like that, who do you like more, Lagares or Broxton, to be the opening day center fielder? Um, obviously, Lagares hasn't had the best spring training outing. He's been um, showing a little bit of uh, not the best outing in spring training. Keon Broxton showing a little more potential, but um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Juan Lagares on this. Um, I think he has a better bat. And they have the same fielding ability, and I'd rather go with the better bat, in my opinion, or in that situation. Yeah, and in this situation where all all these line up, this is where Carlos Gomez could potentially, I believe, compete uh, for the final bench spot. And it would be with the likes of Rajay Davis, Gregor Blanco, Braxton Lee, maybe even Tim Tebow. Uh, So in that battle, him between Gomez, Davis, Blanco, Lee, and Tebow. Do you see Gomez potentially winning that final bench spot battle, or do you like one of the other four guys that I just named? I could definitely see Carlos Gomez making the um, opening day roster as the final bench spot. I think it depends on how many um, relievers we uh, choose to go for. I think if we go with a five-man bench um, and a seven-man bullpen, I think he could definitely make it. But if we go with a four-man bench, I don't think he can make it. There's like, We got J.D. Davis and all the other guys he named. Yeah, and just going off on a tangent here, because I, I just think this is a fascinating subject, uh, Tim Tebow, you know, he's in camp, he's uh, playing for the Mets. Do you see him making his big league debut in 2019? Um, he obviously killed it um, in double A last year in Binghamton, but um, I could see it late in the year, and it also depends on how uh, Nimmo and Conforto's health issue is. If they're injured, we might need that spot out of Tebow. And, yeah, um, he's definitely had an impressive spring putting up two hits the other day. And, yeah, if he keeps it up, I could definitely see it. Yeah, and, and what what a story that would be. I mean, City Field has pretty good attendance because it is in the market of New York. But, like, Tim Tebow's debut, you know, the national spotlight's going to be in on the Queens and City Field. And it would just – it would sort of be a circus, but it, it would be nice to see that spotlight put on the Mets. And, you know, it would be great if Tim Tebow would be able to show that he could be a Major League Baseball player and be that two-sport athlete. Uh, I mean, that, that would just be so impressive for him to go from a failed NFL quarterback to making it to Major League Baseball, would it not? Um, yeah, I agree. That's that's a great accomplishment. Not like people can say they played uh two big league sports and yeah, I think um Tim Tebow can definitely handle the big lights. He's played in under the spotlights in college, he played under spotlights in uh MetLife when he was on the Jets. So yeah, he can definitely handle the pressure. So I think when he gets his chance, I think he'll shine. Yeah, and just final thoughts here on Carlos Gomez. At the end of the day, there's really not an opportunity for him to be 
they start on the open day roster. And really from even be battling for a bench spot is going to be going up against Rajay Davis, Gregor Blanco, Braxton Lee, and Tim Tebow. Any final thoughts here on Carlos Gomez before we move on, Tim? Um, no, I think uh, he was his only chance of making the open day roster is beating one of those four, four guys you just named. And yeah, um, it's 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 a slim chance he makes it, but if he does, can't wait to see him in City Field this year. All right, with that, we're going to head to a quick network advertisement. But when we come back, the Bryce Harper effect, how will it affect the Mets in 2019? Hello, everyone. This is Blake here from the Rattle Up Podcast, a show all about the Arizona Diamondbacks. On Friday at 11 Eastern Time, 9 Mountain Time, we will be talking about the recent news concerning D-backs reliever Silvino Bracho and the news that he will need Tommy John surgery and how this could affect the Diamondbacks' bullpen come opening day. With seven spots left in the pen, the list of candidates for the back end of the bullpen shrinks. But will we still see guys like Yohan Lopez, Jimmy Scherfe, and Robbie Scott make the opening day roster? Also, we will cover the latest news and notes from Salt River Field. All that and more on this week's episode of Rattle Up, 11 Eastern Time, 9 Mountain Time. See you there. Welcome back into Amazing the Mets. Benson Fetcher here with Tim Thone and for Jake and John tonight. If you're heading down to spring training or you want to get opening day tickets, tickets to the regular season, head over to stubyard.com, punch in promo code BPN10. That's BPN10, one zero, at stubyard.com. Get 10% off all tickets for all events. It doesn't just count for baseball. It counts for all events. Get 10% off a great deal over there. Also, if you're listening to the show right now, please give us a call, 845-277-9345. That is 845-277-9345 right here on Amazing Mets. Let's talk Bryce Harper. Tim, last week, I mean, the news broke right uh, before the show began, so you and Jake didn't really have time to digest it. But now that a full week has passed and Bryce Harper is officially a Philadelphia Philly, what are your initial reactions? Um, yeah, so basically I got out of school and I got the notification on my phone, Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. And uh, we were most Mets fans were expecting it. It was either the Phillies or the Giants. So, yeah, um, as as much as we were expecting it, as soon as it happened, it was just, like, panic time. We all, we all were thinking of the situation, finishing fourth place once again. We were all thinking about the negatives. But I think I, I think we don't need to worry that much. I think uh, we have a good, solid team. We had a lot of potential players that could break out this year. And, yeah, I think we'll be good. Maybe get that um, another division championship or a wild card at least. Yeah, for sure. And really, I think with the Bryce Harper signing, Mets fans, they're either put in two camps. The first camp is that the Mets are cheap, and that the second camp is that Bryce Harper and that contract are overrated. What camp are you in, Tim? Mm-hmm. The cheap camp or Bryce Harper and his contracts are overrated? Um, I definitely think – I think um, if we gave Bryce Harper, like, $250 million, that would be a good deal for him, but – Three hundred thirty million for thirteen years. That's a little. That's a little much for a guy who batted two forty nine last year. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player who has great potential, but I don't think he's worth that much money. Be honest here, right? The Mets could have offered Bryce Harper this contract. They had the financial flexibility to do so, and as we all know, the Mets really were never in at him, and there was really never any hope that Bryce Harper's going to be playing for the New York Mets and the Dodgers. They actually offered him $45 million a year, which is confirmed. And that's just depressing as a Mets fan. Like, depressing to know that when a supreme talent is available to anybody, the Mets aren't even going to be able to sniff that talent. Like, the the Mets are a cheap organization. And there's really no mm-hmm, excuse yeah. that Bryce Harper sh- shouldn't be in New York. It's the biggest market in all of professional sports. And even though they're the little brothers to the New York Yankees, they still have the financial flexibility in the Will Ponds just are never willing to open their pockets. And, yes, they've gotten bitten with Yoannis Cespedes. But Bryce Harper is out there, and he's available, a franchise changer. And not only did the Phillies, the, the Mets, let him go and stay in the division, but they didn't get him themselves. And that's really where I'm at on this debate. I know you are with their, his contract is overrated. But let's face it, the Mets are cheap, and the Wilpons aren't willing to open their pockets to bring that superstar talent, and the Mets need to push themselves over the hump. They have the pitching. 
It's just whether or not that the offense and the bullpen is going to come together. You make a good point there. Um, I definitely, I I can definitely agree with you. I was just trying to um, point out the other point. Um, but um, yeah, the bullpens are definitely over, uh, really cheap. We have we are a New York market. There's no way we shouldn't have not been in the running for Bryce Harper. Like we have we we need a right fielder. We can easily shift Nimmo over to center. Conforto staying left. We can have the best outfield in baseball, better than the Yankees, John Carlo and Aaron Judge, assuming they put John Carlo in the outfield. But I think if we def- if we got Bryce Harper, we would definitely have the best outfield in baseball and definitely clinch the National League East champion. Be the yeah, and really as a whole, you have to compare the Mets and the Phillies offseasons here, right? The Phillies, they went out, they got Harper, they got Segura, they got Romuto, David Robertson. I mean, the Phillies had a pretty darn good offseason. And you add that to Reese Hoskins' return to position that he's comfortable with, and you have a very, very interesting team in Philly. You know, the Mets, they're sort of – they're a big question mark because, yes, they did add Edwin Diaz. They did add Robinson Cano, Jed Lowry. But you don't really know what you're going to get from this New York Mets team. Now, if they Mm -hmm. went out and signed Bryce Harper, then – you are guaranteed more success than you were without him. And they had the pocketbook to do it. Yet another offseason, and really another failed offseason for the New York Mets, yes, Brody Van Wagenen came in, and he added some interesting pieces. But these were small market baseball club making these moves. These are the moves that teams like the Rays, the Athletics would make, not a team that the New York Mets should be making. And I can just imagine how frustrating it is to the Mets fans to see off-season after off-season the same story over and over again while the Wilpons are sitting on a fat load of cash owning a New York baseball team. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Um, if we were to get Bryce Harper, that would just secure us. Obviously, we got Edwin Diaz, Wilson Ramos, Jed Lauer, and all those guys. But adding Bryce Harper on top of everyone, probably one of the best young baseball players, definitely, um, in my opinion, would just just put us over the top over the Phillies. The Phillies wouldn't have him. The Phillies offseason would just be Real Muto and Segura and McCutcheon pretty much. And that would probably make them a fourth place team. But now the Mets are the big question mark of the division, I think. The Mets um are definitely can be considered the fourth place team in the NL East. That's why I think we should have sniffed uh, Bryce Harper's contract. Definitely as the a New York market and all that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And not only that, but like if you look at Bryce Harper's numbers against some of the top Mets pitchers, he's batting three twenty three against DeGrom with two solo homers and 38 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be tough. And then Syndergaard, 292 average, 733 OPS and 30 at-bats. A wheeler, it's a 192 average, so Wheeler's able to shut him down. Matt's a 235 average against Familia, a uh, double and 13 lifetime plate appearances. Uh, Luis Avalon, two singles and six walks. Uh, against Justin Wilson, he's batting 500 with a home run and two walks mm. lifetime. Like, the head-to-head matchups are going to be so important this season, and this is where making Callaway's decisions are going to be incredibly crucial. Let's take an example. Does Mickey take out Wheeler in the sixth with runners on first and second and two outs to bring in Justin Wilson because lefty-lefty? Does Avalon have a better shot to make the team just because of his success against Harper? Of course, these are all questions Mickey had to answer when Bryce was with Washington for 19 games. But it's tough to see that the Cy Young in the league, the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom, gets hammered by Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. These are interesting stats you bring up. Definitely Bryce Harper kills our pitchers. And that's one reason we'd either want him out of our division or on the Mets. Because now we just have to face Bryce Harper a lot more times. Obviously, we had to face him with the Nationals. But I would say the Phillies roster right now is a lot scarier than it was than the Nationals was last year. So, yeah, I think um, definitely Bryce Harper against all of our pitching. He's always been crushing our pitching. And, if we had him on our team, we wouldn't have to be worrying about this situation right now. Yeah, and here's really what it comes down for me personally. I'm tired, you know, the sports fan existence being reduced to waiting for players and other teams to retire to have any chance of success. You know, for Jeter to retire, still waiting for Tom Brady to retire, Sidney Crosby to retire, 
now it'll be waiting for Bryce Harper's contract to expire. And then we'll all mm-hmm. be old by that point. Imagine if Mike Trout is added to that. Which is, I mean, it's frustrating because these markets like Philadelphia aren't bigger than the market set in New York Mets sit in. And we have to take a, a break real quick. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, why we actually believe there's no reason to panic for the Mets. And we'll see how they fare in the upcoming 2019 season. We'll be back in a moment. Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producers here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern to another edition of Bucko Booth. We're going to be breaking down the week that was Pirates baseball, as well as discussing Francisco Cervelli. His contract is up at the end of the season, and whether or not we believe that the Pirates should pursue an extension with the veteran catcher. Break down all of that, and we're going to be jumping into the USA Today win predictions for the Pirates and see how accurate we believe those totals are, and we're going to give our win predictions as well. Then to wrap it up, we're going to be discussing Tyler Lyons. Now he's been impressing early on for the Pirates, and if he'll make that opening day bullpen. All this and much more on this week's edition of Bucko Booth. You don't want to miss it. This Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern. I'll let you get back to this show, but make sure you join me Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern. See you there. Welcome back to Amazing Mets. Benson Fact here with Tim filling in for Jake and John on the Amazing Mets podcast. If you're listening, please give us a call at 845-277-9345. That's 845-277-9345. All right, Tim, I want to talk a little about Noah Syndergaard's outing uh, the other day uh, where he walked five Astros in his two and two-thirds of work against the, uh, this past Saturday. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on his outing? Um, um, I think he definitely needs to get that control down. He definitely um, did what the Mets are telling him to work on, um, speeding up his windup and keeping his runners on as he left at least over 20 stolen bases last year, which is kind of ridiculous. So um, I think he's definitely improving that part of his game, but definitely his control needs to be there. I think if he controls his uh, fastball, which is definitely one of his best pitches, and mixes in some off-speed, he'll definitely be a top top 10 pitcher. For sure. And really, those five blocks just seem excessive on the surface. But in addition to the fact that this is spring training, uh, the five walks were more of a product of Syndergaard working on command and not so much to the fact that he was wild, per se. Like, even though there were five walks, it didn't seem as if Syndergaard was wild. And really, not that Syndergaard was concerned, by the way, because, again, it is spring training. Relax. The top of the Astros lineup is dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't. there's no reason to panic over the start, and that's really what – uh, I wanted the message to get out. It's spring training. You can't overreact to success, and you definitely can't overreact to failure as guys are just trying to get their work in and prepare for March 28th. If Syndergaard does this in his first start, then we can start freaking out. But this is spring training, and we have to realize that. Mm-hmm. And the positives about the outing, obviously the five walks is a little sketchy, but we have to look at the positives. You pitch 2.2 innings, laying up zero runs. Obviously those five walks aren't good, but um, laying up zero runs is – at the end of the day, is all we need. And putting up five or four strikeouts, excuse me, uh, which is still pretty good and pretty good for his second outing. Yeah, for sure. And during Noah's first start against the same Astros earlier that week, he was primarily on fastball against that top of the order, the dangerous order. Uh, on Saturday, he still works fastball, but outer half against right-handed batters like George Springer, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. Outer half, outer half, outer half. He was right there, but he was just a hair off. And while it may seem like the umpire was squeezing him, he got most of those calls right. There's really no reason to worry. He's going to get that control back. It's just a matter of time. There are still three weeks until opening day. And really, if you should be worried about anything, be worried that Justin Wilson gave up two jacks to lefty hitters in the Mets' 8-7 to loss to Houston, which ended on the Marlin, uh, I mean, Rajay Davis, was called out in interference for a double play turn at second base. Uh, but really, I just want to talk about Justin Wilson for a second. I mean, two home runs, lefty hitters. What's going on here? Um, that's definitely not what we signed him for. We um, signed him to at least get one inning of him to face lefty or one point one inning going against a lefty. But if he's going to get demolished by lefties, like in the same inning, 
that's just not acceptable. Like, we we paid him, I think, $10 million a year, and this is just not what we signed him for. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, to all the concerned Mets fans out there, by the way, uh, as of March 1st, so six days ago on Friday, uh, Brennan Nimmo's final test results are in. It was a virus. You can cancel all the cooking lessons. He's good. So I guess Brennan Nimmo does know how to cook after all. Um, just a really funny story with that coming out uh, last week on the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What you said? I'm sorry. For a second. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, the whole Brennan Nimmo not knowing how to cook with his chicken uh, came out that it was just a virus. It's a relief. Um, I mean, just a uh, a nice comic relief here early March with uh, Brennan Nimmo's failed cooking attempts now just being yep. a natural virus. Mm-hmm. Good to see nothing's going bad with him and all that. But glad he's out and still smiling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And just just for a minute here, I want to discuss uh, a little bit more about Noah Syndergaard and the rotation as a whole. But I want to get your thoughts on uh, the rotation first. Uh, I mean, you're the the bigger Mets fan. So, you know, give us about 60 seconds here of your take on the Mets rotation. Um, obviously, we have the National League style in 2018, Jacob DeGrom. I think he's going to not have the same year he had last year, but I think he'll definitely put up a great ERA, good whip, and, um, yeah, everything like that. He had the lowest home run per nine percentage. So, I hopefully he can keep that up. Um, Noah Syndergaard, this, this, is, this is his make-or-break season. He's obviously had a few shaky seasons. Um, coming off an injury in 2017, um, 3.03 ERA. We, we can def- we've de- um, his potential is definitely in the 2.4 ERA area. It, it it just has to work on his um command, as you said earlier, and um, his off speed and keeping runners on, and then he'll definitely be a top 10 pitcher in the league. Definitely National League Cy Young consideration. And Zach Wheeler, I think if he keeps up his second half year, we're we're golden. Big top three. Best top three in the pitching, uh, best three in pitching in the um, MLB, and yeah, um, obviously Stephen Mass is a big question mark. He's had um a few seasons in a row where he's um had a little um shaky seasons, but um, hopefully he can bounce back and be the top lefty of our rotation. And Jason Vargas, we don't know how much longer he's going to be in the rotation for. Let's be honest, he had an awful year last year. Horrendous. Every five days, you're just biting our fingernails, hoping we don't. He doesn't get lit up. Like he, he showed a little bit of promise in the second half, putting somewhere in the 2.3 area ERA or 2.8 ERA. But yeah, um, I can't see him being the fifth starter for the whole year. I could see guys like Hector Santiago or anyone like that being the fifth starter. For sure. And I, I just want to stop you on one point, uh, Tim. I personally don't believe that that top three is the the best. And even I don't believe that the Mets rotation is the best in baseball, even for the National League, for that matter. I mean, you look at some of the other rotations that have been quietly compiled around the league. I mean, you look to the Houston Astros, obviously. But then you just look in the National League as a whole, and a quietly assembled group in Pittsburgh – uh, with Jameson, Tyone, Trevor Williams, and Chris Archer, those top three are arguably better than the top three that the Mets have assembled. And really, again, mm-hmm. to me, question mark, with Zach Wheeler. I mean, what what is he going to do? Is Was last season a fluke? Was he going to go back to his you know, 2017 type season, or is he going to make a continuation? So that, that's just a theme for this Mets season. It's going to be a question mark type season. Like, I mean, we could honestly see them being anywhere from first place to top this division to being in fourth place. And even mm-hmm. some I've heard from bold predictions here on the Baseball Podcast Network. The Marlins catch, Barry Adelson predicts, and the Marlins are going to finish ahead of the New York Mets. Wow, that may be a crazy prediction. Some intelligent guy is making that prediction. So it's just going to be a big question mark. And while the title of this segment was No Reason to Panic, I mean, is there a reason to panic, Tim? Um, I would say yes, 
and I don't think our rotation is the best right now, but I think it has the potential to be the best. It depends on how everything works out. Obviously, everything is going to be the way it was last year, but I think if Syndergaard has a breakout season, Negrom has the same type of season, we are definitely a top three rotation kind of, but it all plans out on everything. But um, um, back to your question, um, is anything to worry about? I think definitely there's something to worry about. Philly's definitely had a better offseason than us, I would say, with that Harper move. They got the best catcher in the league, arguably the best outfielder in the league, and a top, I would say, top 10 shortstop in Gene Segura. So, yeah, I would say there's definitely a lot of things to worry about. Nationals have a very underrated team, and they have the another top five pitching staff and um, Bird Scherzer and Corbin, who they signed this offseason. And obviously the Braves have a great young team, of hitters and it's just going to be it's just going to be how everything works out if everyone lives up to their potential Cano that's 280 Diaz up another 50 save season and everything and injuries will play a big factor in how we will do in our division this year for sure so we got to take a quick break here at Amazing Mets but when we come back we're going to be talking about who the Mets added this week as baseball advisors uh, in the front office uh, that'll be straight ahead after the break this week on the Ivy, we talk about our weekly awards once again, as well as fan-answered questions in our mailbag. We also talk about spring training news and notes, as well as Tyler Chatwood's success and how he's done so far. We also talk about Cub of Yesteryear, and we will be doing Derek Lee. We hope you guys will tune in this Sunday at 12 Eastern Time. Welcome back to Amazing Mets, Benson Factor, and Tim here filling in for Jake and John. We're about halfway through our show, but still a lot to get to and a lot of important stuff to get to. So let's jump right in, talk a little about the two new guys added as baseball advisors for the New York Mets, Al Leiter and John Franco. Tim, initial reactions. Um, I love the move. Two Mets players I love. Um, obviously, Al Leiter was one of our best pitchers in the 2000 area. And John Franco, one of my favorite Mets of all time. So, yeah, I love the move. Yeah, and really, you know, the New York Mets, they may have not spent big on Bryce Harper, but they're continuing to invest in their front office. Uh, new general manager Brody Van Wagenen has made it a point to hire a lot of different people to help change the culture of the organization. And these ladies two hires, they're two well-respected former players Al Leiter and John Franco, they were teammates on the Mets in the late 90s. Uh, they've been both hired as baseball operations advisors. And, uh, I mean, Leiter, he's going to be working in scouting and player development with a focus on mental preparation for pitchers. It's a perfect role, in my opinion, for him. Uh, what do you think about Leiter's role as a scout and player development and focusing on the mental preparation for pitchers moving forward? Um, I, love, I love how we did that move. Um, I love how we sign, We continue to invest in our front office. And, yeah, I like Howard's mental preparation. That's a key on the mound. you got to stay in the game on the mound. And, obviously, as he pitched for how many seasons? He pitched for 19 seasons. He obviously knows how to stay mentally on the mound. So, I think it's a great move. And from a, from a two-time All-Star, pitchers will listen to him and – yeah, they'll learn a good amount from him. And, yeah, he has a great eye in baseball, so I think it's a great move. Yeah, and the beauty of adding that to this front office, I mean, Brody is doing what he can. He's adding the, the brain trust to the front office and trying to change the culture of this organization, which is just great to see. And later, he's he's not too far removed. That guys don't know who he is and. He's a well-respected former player, 19 seasons, as you mentioned, in the, in the league. He's going to know how to get these young guys ready because DeGrom, we'll talk about this later, uh, center guard, Wheeler, they're not all going to be here forever. Some new guys are going to have to step up at some point uh, in the Mets' near future. And having Leonard there getting these guys mentally prepared for the majors is going to be a big deal. And then him scouting as well with the player development aspect, wonderful move for the, the Mets and Really, no, nothing I can complain from uh, Brody on there. Um, talking about John Franco's uh, role, so he's 
He's already been working with the Mets in a community relations capacity. He's going to remain in that role while also taking on additional responsibilities with scouting and development. So, Franco, he's already been here. He's done that community relations, but he's going to be joining later in the scouting development, uh, but Franco will not be doing the, the mental preparation for pitchers. So what are your thoughts on uh, Franco's role with the organization? Um, I definitely think he's another Mets guy. He's been in New York for a good amount of time, and definitely, invest, once I said earlier, definitely investing into the front office and de- investing into our future. Gotta love it. Um, and everything like that. It's, it's great to um, see us bring back old Mets players and see them in the front office role and continuing our future. And definitely it'll be best for us in the future, as I said once again. Yeah, and the the Mets, they clearly feel that having Leiter and Franco around the player development process will play a role in helping them nurture more talent in the future, which is a smart idea. It's hard to find fault without the decision, especially given the tremendous respect both men carry around the game. The Mets are trying their best to change the narrative around the team to a more professional atmosphere, and this is another step in that direction. All of these moves are great, but if the process doesn't result in more wins, it will end up being meaningless in the end. And this is where we get back to the money issue and the will pawns. If it was a different owner, an owner that is willing to spend money, such as the Yankees guys or uh, Big Brothers, if we had that type of owner spending that type of money for the Mets, they'd be up there competing with the New York Yankees instead of having a surprise World Series run like 2015 or the amazing Mets in 1969 or teams like that. The New York Mets thrive on being the surprise team. And as I've mentioned before, the New York Mets shouldn't be acting as a small market team, yet time after time they continue to do things like this. Like these type of front office moves – and you can't fault Bertie Van Wagenen. He's doing what he can, but he just doesn't have the resources. It's similar to the situation that Neil Huntington faces in Pittsburgh with owner Bob Nutting. Like Neil Huntington's a fantastic mm-hmm. GM, but he isn't given the resources. But the difference is, is that's Pittsburgh with the size of 200,000 in the city and 2 million in the metro area. And this is New York where you have a 20 million metro population, you know, with that big of a population, that big of a market, with the TV deal, I mean, are the Mets going to have sustained success under the Wilpon regime, or is it going to take until the Wilpons sell this team? If they sell this team until the Mets can experience sustained success, that should really be happening in New York. Because you look over the history, when the Giants were here, when the Dodgers were here, those were successful teams because they played in the New York market. Why are the Mets doing the same? Um, I have no idea. The Wilpons obviously like to sit on their money and just act as a surprise team, as you said already. Um, we can't expect to be the surprise team. We need to spend. That's what the Yankees did. They're spending all this money on Aaron Hicks, who got $70 million. He isn't even as good as Jacob DeGrom and all these players that the Mets should offer contract extensions to. The Yankees are taking risks. That's what the Mets need to do. We need to take risks. We made one with Cespedes. We made a mistake. Well, I don't think we made a mistake. He carried us to the World Series. It looked like a good move at the time. But we need to make more risks. Obviously, we need, um, the Yankees are making all these contract extensions, and we need to make more too. I think we need to start off extending Jacob DeGrom, as we'll get into later. We need to extend all these young players, such as Zach Wheeler, who's, I think, 28 years old. He has a future. Noah Syndergaard, his contract's starting up soon. 26 years old. Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, all these guys we can extend. They, their uh, market hasn't got up there yet. They're underrated players who definitely have a future in the Mets, but we need to extend them right now or it'll become too late where they'll want hundreds of millions of dollars. Who knows when? But um, we need to sell the team. We need a, a, a general uh, – we need a, um owner just like – willing to spend like Brody Van Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen did all he could this offseason to get the players he did today. And now we're just a, a fourth-place team. He doesn't have the resources. We need an owner who's willing to spend and take a risk. 
I mean, per- perfectly stated. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a classic situation where the owners are taking advantage of the fans and preaching and spreading the lies through their PR guys. And, I mean, Brody is – he's cash up. He doesn't have the money that he deserves to go out and do his job. And um, we're going to take a qu- another quick break here on Amazing Mets, but when we come back, more Will Pond, but this time we're going to be talking about Jacob DeGrom and what's happening with that extension. Is it Fred Wilpon's fault? All that and more when we come back on Amazing Mets. In this week's episode of the Marlins Catch, we will potentially be joined by Marlins outfielder Harold Ramirez. We will also be discussing my 2022 projected lineup for the Fish. We will also be discussing potential comeback players for the Marlins, players like Lewis Brinson, and our opening day roster prediction for the Fish. You guys don't want to miss that right here on the Marlins Catch Podcast at 7.30 Eastern, right here. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets Podcast. Benson Fector here alongside my co-host, Tana Thorne, and for Jake and John, if you want to call in, the number is 845-277-9345. Give us a call, ask anything Mets baseball related. We're going to continue our discussion here on the Wilpons and how they continue to sit on their cash. And there's a report. Uh, lo and behold, that Fred Wilpon uh, may be holding up Jacob DeGrom extension talks. He's not willing to uh, to give that money away. Tim, initial thoughts? Um, Obviously, Jacob DeGrom has released that he is not willing to go into contract extension conversations into the season as it will be a distraction. So we need to get this deal done by Mar- by the end of March. We need to have it done by opening day, and we need to do it. Jacob DeGrom the Cy Young of 2018. We need to do this deal. I don't, the earlier we do it, the earlier the deal is done with. So we need to get this deal done. I don't care if it's four or five years. We need to get Jacob DeGrom in our future. He is a competitor, and I don't see his career slowing down anytime soon. I think he'll be like Justin Verlander. He'll be able to pitch into the seventh inning in his late 30s. And, um, yeah, and that's when his contract will be done. So we need to get this deal done. The Wilpons need to stop being cheap and get this deal done. We didn't go after Harper. That was enough. Now we need to get. Now we need to extend Jacob Degrom, our ace, and invest in our future. For sure. And really, you know, it's extension season throughout baseball. You got the likes of Nolan Arenado, Aaron Hicks, as you mentioned, Luis Severino, and they're all signing long-term contract extensions in recent weeks. The New York Mets, they have plenty of candidates for contract extensions, obviously headlined by Cy Young Award winner Jacob DeGrom, but there's been little progress on that front. You know, fans are starting to get frustrated at the apparent lack of motivation from the Mets to get a deal done, and they may want to direct their ire towards the owner's box. It's the same story that's been told time and time again. Yes, Fred Wilpon, you made a mistake signing Yoenna Cespedes to that long-term extension, but that doesn't mean you have to keep all that money to yourself because you made one mistake. This is a big market, a extremely big market that the New York Mets play baseball in. One mistake shouldn't handicap an organization for the rest of time, and it's a sad story for Mets fans. Like the Mets fandom is built on hope that. Yes, we can do this. We're the amazing Mets. We're going to shock everybody. But the front office, Wilpon shouldn't be acting like that. He's a very wealthy man that is pinching his pennies in a market such as New York. I agree. We um we can't be afraid to take risks, as I said earlier. Cespedes shouldn't be indicate our future. We made a risk. That's baseball. That's business. People make mistakes. And it was I liked I loved that move when we made it actually because he put up 20 home runs with the Mets carried us to the World Series that, that's what Jacob Degrom did he carried us to those like most like at least seven wait he won ten games so and he won those ten games for us we won half those games two like two to one if Jacob Degrom wasn't the pitcher he was we would have lost all ten games so he carried us to those. 70 plus 10 wins, whatever. We need to we need to sign players like Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto. That's our future. We need to invest in it right now. 
without a doubt. And, yes, I mean, GM Brady Van Wagenen, he is on board with locking up DeGrom long-term. Van Wagenen is not saying no to this, but it's Mets owner Fred Wilpon. He's being hesitant about giving a huge deal out to the team's ace. And, yes, let's admit it, the Mets have a history of getting burned on long-term deals. It's not just Johannes Cespedes. It's David Wright. It's Johan Santana. And they haven't delivered due to injury woes. DeGrom is already 30 years old. And the Mets have controlled him through age 32 when he would finally hit free agency. The idea of letting DeGrom play out these two years in his prime and avoiding pain for a potential decline probably has some appeal for Wilpon. But again, it is a bad idea for the Mets. Okay, yes, DeGrom is going to be 33 in his first year on his new contract with if he continues with the Mets or signs with a different team. But we see guys like Justin Verlander who are pitching Cy Young caliber levels late into their 30s. And the fact that the Mets are hesitant, and especially for Wilpon, to not go ahead and do this. And yes, they've definitely gotten less than ideal returns to long-term deals. But that doesn't mean the proper response should be to completely avoid long-term contract. These are guys worth paying for, and a pitcher in his prime with less mileage on his arm than the typical 30-year-old ace, if that doesn't fit the bill, what does? I mean, there shouldn't be a surprise, though. I mean, the Mets refuse to even entertain signing prime for agents like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. So expecting Will Pond to be gung-ho on Payne DeGrom may have been asking too much uh, for us Mets fans. I agree. Jacob DeGrom, we need to get this done. He even said he would he would love to spend his whole entire career as a New York Met. So that just proves we need to sign him. He wants to be a Met. He His market won't be insanely high. Obviously, it's going to be like in the 50 million range, maybe 60 million, who knows, depending on how long we do. But just him saying he wants to be a Met, that proves we should get this deal done. And it's been a little bit of a rumor that if we don't get this deal done, he'll limit his innings so he doesn't uh, he, he avoids further injury. So I we need to get this deal done, not only for the future, but for right now. Because if he limits his innings, we're screwed. We'll need to go to guys like Luis Avalon or like Hector Santiago, as, and then we'll have Noah Syndergaard as our ace. And I'm not comfortable with that. Who knows how long Syndergaard will go this year. Hopefully he goes the whole year. But if DeGrom limits his innings like Matt Harvey did a few years back, that just it just we we need to get the steal done. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and really, I mean, the only hope that Mets fans can have right now is they have to hope that Van Wagenen can change Wilpon's mind before opening day, because the risk of Degrom leaving after 2020 increases the longer he remains unsigned. Joel Sherman he proposes a four-year extension worth 124.5 million dollars that kicks in after this season with an easily obtainable fifth-year option worth 31 million dollars. If Degrom can't attain the option, the Mets would be able to buy out the fifth year for 10 million dollars, giving the Mets an out if he doesn't age gracefully. This is a kind of deal that should be fair to both sides. But if Wilpon doesn't open the vault, then the Mets could have issues convincing other players in the roster to stay in the future. And honestly, the Mets have a solid young core, as we've mentioned throughout the episode. It's not just DeGrom. It's not just Syndergaard. You got Nimmo. You got Conforto. I mean, McNeil eventually, Rosario eventually, maybe Peter Alonso eventually. Like, this is a solid young core that the Mets are building. Yet, Fred Wilpon, because of the likes of Cespedes and David Wright and Johan Santana, he's not willing to open the vault and spend the money necessary to be a winning baseball club. The Mets are operating as if they are the Tampa Bay Rays in which they need to trade their established guys year after year and overhaul year after year to remain even somewhat competitive. And it's a disgrace to see because, again, New York is not Tampa Bay. New York is not Oakland. New York is not Pittsburgh. This is New York City, the greatest city in the entire world, and Fred Wilpon has all the power in the entire world, just outside of the New York Yankees, to go out and spend the money that the Mets fans deserve to see on the field. I mean, ultimately, baseball, it, yes, it's a game for the players, but it's also a game for the fans. It's where the money is made. And year after year, the Mets fans have to see a product 
that really is just thrown together in a small market attitude. And it's sad to see that Fred Wilpon is just sitting on his cash and unwilling to extend. Even guys like Jacob DeGrom, who you could give an opt-out to after a fifth year and wouldn't have to get snake bit like they did with Cespedes Wright and Johan Santana. I would love that deal if we could get a, that kind of deal Joel Sherman posted on Twitter with an op, where we can uh, decline his fifth year. I'd love that. Um, and the worst thing is, if we don't sign him, he could he could easily go to the Braves, who need a starting pitcher in like two years, and that will screw us even more in the future. So we need to get this deal done like right now. And he would get so much respect from Mets fans. You don't even know. Every Mets fan would pr- like be so proud of him for actually doing a contract extension since uh, Johannes Cespedes. I would go to at least six Mets games this year. I pr- I still probably will, but. I would be so happy that we're actually spending money on Jacob DeGrom. We didn't get Bryce Harper. We didn't get Manny of Child, who we didn't really need. But if we were to get our ace for another four or maybe five years, I would love that. Yeah, without a doubt. And really the only hope that the Mets fans can have right now is that Brody Van Wagen commences Fred Wilpon. Until then, it's just a waiting game. And every day that Jacob DeGrom is not signed to a long-term extension, it's raising the percentages that he walks uh, come time. We'll take our last break on Amazing Mets, but when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about Dominic Smith in the first base position. Peter Alonso, Dominic Smith, who wins a job straight ahead on Amazing Mets. This Tuesday on FanCast, our host will be doing a rundown of the Phillies' 2019 roster. We'll be taking a look at the bullpen and who who is in and who's out. How is Jake Arrieta going to come back from a tough first year in Philly, and will he take a step forward in 2019? Also, take a look at the outfield situation now that Bryce Harper is a Philadelphia Philly. Tune in for all this and more this Tuesday on FanCast. Welcome back to Amazing Mets. Benson Fexer and Tim filling in here for Jake and John on the Amazing Mets podcast. Uh, if you want to call them, we got 845-277-9345. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to start up, Tim. Who's got the job in your opinion right now, Dominic Smith or Pete Alonzo? Obviously, Peter Alonso has been working his tail off for that spot, but it only makes sense if we keep Pete Alonso, as he goes by now, um, for that, we send him for the extra two weeks for a full another year of our future. This man has so much future in the Mets organization. We don't have many first basemen in our farm system, so we need him for as long as we can get him for. So I think the extra year is totally worth those two weeks. You could definitely make the argument we are a winning team right now and need those extra two weeks of games. Brody's hinted he might do it, but the way Donald Smith is playing right now is just proving he can handle the opening day spot and he can fill that spot in. Obviously, we're going with Todd Frazier, but obviously the report came out a few uh, few days ago, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, that Todd Frazier and Jet Lauer will most likely not be ready for opening day. And even if they were, the way Dom Smith has been playing lately, uh, I think he deserves his spot. Definitely, he's, not, he's definitely not better than Pete Alonso, but I think he definitely gives us less to worry about if he performs this way in the first two opening weeks. Okay. Uh, sorry for that pause there. Oh, we're going to head to the to the caller. we got a caller online, Wesley from Massachusetts. You're live on Amazing Mets. How are you doing tonight, Wes? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. So, uh, what's on your mind tonight? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about, will the Phillies get a better roster with their pitching? That's the main problem. Will their pitching get better with the young talent that they have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we're a Mets podcast over here, but uh, we do have a good idea about the Phillies since they are our NL East rivals. And really, the, the Phillies rotation, it's an interesting thing. It's a uh, it would be a question mark for them in the 2019 season. You have, obviously, your ace and Aaron Noah at the top. And then it's really who knows after that. Yes, you could have a return to dominance of Jake Arrieta, but you could also have a continued regression. You could have a dark horse Cy Young candidate and Nick Pavetta, but you could also have more of the same from him. And then you have guys like Zach Eflin. You really don't know what you're going to get. And then further down the line, it's just more question marks there. So, 
with the Phillies signing Bryce Harper, it's definitely going to be a challenge for them to go out and get a guy like Dallas Keuchel. But if he would, would be willing to come to Philadelphia at the right price, I think that would be an excellent move for the Phillies to make in order for them to cement their status as World Series contenders and at least uh, favorites at this point. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that, that's definitely the biggest question mark and definite concern for uh, you guys moving forward here. Mm-hmm. And for the Mets, there are rumors that Syndergaard and DeGrom could be traded. If that happens, will the Mets get better players for them, or will they call up youngsters from AAA, AA? You get the idea. Yeah, so... I doubt that. Wait, I'll take this one. Oh, I doubt that they okay. trade Syndergaard and DeGrom in the same deal unless they're getting, like, crazy prospects. But um, yeah, they're trading... Separate deal. What? I was meaning like separate deal. Oh, separate deal? Um, yeah. I mean, we definitely have the uh, death to do it. We have like Hector Santiago, but I, w- I wouldn't want to trade one of those pieces. But like, obviously, Syndergaard could blow out his arm any day of the week, any day of the month, any day of the year. So, um... I wouldn't want to trade DeGrom. I'd rather extend him right now. But um, Syndergaard, if we could get, like, a few good – I wouldn't say prospects at this point. I think we traded our farm, so basically in Jared Kalanick and Justin Dunn. So I'm saying we we trade if, – if if we were to do this, which I wouldn't want to do it, I'd say we trade Syndergaard for MLB talent that's in AAA about to go into the MLB, kind of like in the Pete Alonso situation. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a high prospect that has a talented future. Yeah, that's like ready and like that'll be ready by the end of the year. All right. Now for my last question, with the addition of Rob, Robbie Cano, will the I mean with all the injuries that the Mets have been experiencing, will this team be healthy enough for the 2019 season to have a chance to make a run? Do you want to see this one, um, Benson? Yeah, I'll take this one. And the injury bug has plugged the Mets now for several seasons, and it's been a big reason why they haven't been able to achieve the success they achieved in 2015. And already the injury bug is hitting spring training with the likes of Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry. And it opens up a question mark to if Jeff McNeil has to swing from left field to third base and then opening up a potential spot for a subpar guy such as Juan Lagarza, Keon Brocks, and then that's furthering down the line with a bench with even more subpar guys such as Carlos Gomez, Gregor Blanco, Rajay Davis, even Tim Tebow. Like, the injury bug has been a problem, and if it's not solved by the Mets in 2019, it's going to continue to plug them, and they're going to continue to be bitten by it because that's how baseball works, and having all these older guys as a part of this core, you know, Robbie Cano, Yohanna Cespedes, it's it's going to be tough to keep the group healthy. But if they can do it, then they can have a run of this division. If they can't, I mean, fourth place, even some people are saying that the Marlins can be better than this Mets team in 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tim Tebow from his NFL career with the Pats also to um, the MLB. I'm pretty surprised that he's gone this far. The man's a legend, basically a legend in both sports now. But you have to get from the minors to the majors, and that takes time. That takes time. For sure. I want to th- Yeah, Wes, uh, thanks for coming on to the show tonight. Uh, pleasure to have you. Uh, so have a good night, and hope to see you here in the future. All right, that's going to do it for our show tonight on Amazing Mets. Uh, Benson back here with Tim. Filling in for Jake and John. It's been a great episode. Uh, had a great time with you tonight, Tim, and we hope to have you on here again in the future. Yep, it was great. It was great talking to mess with you. Yeah. yeah, so with that, that's going to wrap up our 11th episode of Amazing Mets. Be sure to tune in here uh, Thursday, probably be at 7 or 8 p.m., I would presume, but check your listens. We'll be sure to notify you. Again, my name is Benson Fetcher. This is uh, my co-host, Tim. We had a great time talking Mets baseball with you. Until next week, let's go Mets. Produced by Benson Vector.
Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Benson, at Bucks Dugout, and Tim, at Mets Station. For more Amazing Mets content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. Be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all of those social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, BallPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Pinstripe Talk. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.